Lord God, we bow before you as our King and Lord of the universe, and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, our King. We are your servants. You are our master. And as we bow to you this morning, as we wait upon you, Lord, we ask that you would come and speak to us through your word. God, that the, even though, Lord, there may be little words, Lord, may they make a big impact in our lives today. May it change us like never before, and may we experience you just as we have been in this worship time. The feeling of your presence, God, the touch of your spirit, may we experience you in a deeper and greater way in your word today as we study it. So, Lord, I pray pray that you would anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. Fill us now. Open up our minds. May your Spirit give us understanding, Lord. May your Spirit open deaf ears and open our hearts up to live these things that you are putting forth before us. So, God, we give you this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a woman woke up one morning, and she turned to her husband and said, Honey, I know you love me. And I had this dream that you bought me a brand new gold necklace. What do you think that means? Well, the husband replied, I don't know, but Valentine's Day is coming soon. Then you'll know. She got a little excited. Few nights later, the wife awoke after having another dream, and she told her husband, Honey, I know you love me. And this time I dreamed you gave me a fancy pearl necklace. What do you think that means? Well, the husband sleepily said, I don't know, but Valentine's is coming soon, and you'll know then. Well, on the morning of Valentine's Day, once again, the wife woke up and said, Honey, I know you love me. And I had another dream last night. And this time you placed right around my neck this beautiful diamond necklace. What do you think that means? Well, the husband this time answered, Don't worry, you'll know tonight. Well, that evening, the husband came home with a package in his hands. He gave it to the wife. The wife opened it up. She opened the gift to find inside a book. And the book was entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't think the wife would say that giving her that book is love, right? It's not love. (laughs) Well, as we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul continues to give the Corinthian believers a clear idea now, a clear understanding of what agape love is not, is not. So we come to actually this morning part two now of what we started last week. And so last week, our title of our message was The Love That Touches Others. And so it is today because we're continuing on in that. So our title again is The Love That Touches Others, part two. The Love That Touches Others, part two. Now Paul's explaining what love is, what agape love is, and it's a certain kind of love. It's a love that makes a difference, and it's the love that touches others, and we're continuing on here in part two. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, and the first part of 6 this morning. We looked at verse 4, just one one verse last week, but now we're going on to verse 5 and 6. Now, We're continuing on in our outline that we began last week. And that is number two in our outline, what love does not. What love does not. Last week we saw what love does, number one in our outline. And number two, now what love does not. And we're continuing on in that. Now, just to kind of bring you up to speed here, Paul's been writing here on how love or agape is way higher, way better than the spiritual gifts. Remember, if you take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 at the end, he called love a more excellent way. Right? You remember that? When we were in chapter 12, we ended that. And we learned that the Corinthian believers, they were 
feeling like they're spiritually superior because of the gifts that they had, the spiritual gifts, and especially with the gift of tongues. I get tongues, so, you know, I'm more spiritual than you. So Paul began to tell him, hey, it's, there's a more excellent way. There's something better than the spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues. And Paul began 1 Corinthians 13 saying the gift of tongues, and then he said prophecy, and then he said knowledge, like word of wisdom or non word of knowledge, and even self-sacrifice and giving to people. It, it's nothing without what? Love, right? Without agape there, agape love. And it's that kind of love, Paul really is saying, that gauges how spiritual you really are. And we learned that, right? We learned that this kind of love is a special love. It's a love that comes from God, and, and it's a love that God gives us. Matter of fact, 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love, or agape, one another, for love is from God. Agape is from God. And whoever loves, or agape, has been born of God and knows God. So the proof of you being a believer, the proof of you uh, following the Lord is from that agape love, that flows out. And so Paul's saying that's the more excellent way. That's, that's higher. That's the way to live. It's not so much these spiritual gifts. And agape, which is the Greek word Paul uses here in original wording, in original word writing that he did. Remember, agape is the Greek word for unconditional love. It means unconditional love. It means a selfless kind of love. It, it's a love that gives without uh, 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 wanting anything in return, expecting anything in return. It loves even when it's unearned. It gives even when undeserved. And so we've studied all this. I've been putting this into your hearts all this time. So then Paul paints a picture of what this agape looks out like and this kind of love that touches others. This is the kind of love that touches others. You know what someone said, love may not make the world go around, but it sure makes the trip worthwhile. I like that. You know what? We need this love. We need to make the trip worthwhile. We need to make it worthwhile for those around us, uh, our family, our co-workers, uh, uh, those in school. We need to have this kind of love that it's worthwhile for them to be around us. So, well, uh, in verse 4, Paul painted, right? He, he painted this picture. In verse 4, we saw what love does. And then we saw what love does not. And by the way, next week, we're going to go to number 3 in this outline. And that is what love is devoted to. So actually, in our section of how Paul is painting this picture, we have three headings. What love does, what love does not, and what love is devoted to. And we'll get to that next week. So first, we saw what love does. Love suffers long, verse 4, right? And if you missed last week, grab the CD. I'm just doing a quick review here. Love suffers long, right? And what love does, it suffers long. Agape love is willing to be offended and take the hits. That's what we learned. And then we saw that love is kind. Agape love is willing to do or say kind things unconditionally, right, for the sake of that other person. And we saw that love is an action right it's willing to do or this is what love does right it's not just some feeling or emotion but it's an action agape is an action you know in, in my mind I hear the old Boston song I don't know you older guys remember Boston and remember that song it's more than a feeling yeah it's more than a feeling anyway but that that's the idea right True love, true agape is not just some emotion or feeling, but it's an action that we take. And then we saw what love does not in verse 4. Love does not envy. Agape love is not being jealous about what someone else has or does. It's about being happy for them, glad for them. Then we saw love does not boast, right? Agape is not about voicing your greatness, right? But thinking of others greater than yourself. And then we saw what love does not is love does not puff itself up. Agape is not about lifting yourself up in your thinking. That was the idea here with what Paul was writing. Agape is not about lifting yourself up in your thinking, but lifting others up in your heart. That was the idea here. 
You know, I came across this, this well-known doctor listed several emotions that produce disease in human beings. Thought this was interesting. He listed fear, frustration, rage, resentment, hatred, envy, and jealousy. He said the only antidote that can save people from being destroyed by these powerful forces, and you know what he said, is love is love. It's all what Paul is saying right here. I, I mean, does that describe you? I mean, are, are you being destroyed by these things that we are not to do? These things that love is not. Are relationships ending because of your pride, your jealousy? May, may, remember, Paul's addressing the Corinthian believers, and this is where, where they at, are at, yeah? Well, it's time, you guys, as I mentioned before, it's time for all of us to learn these things, to change. Jesus wants to even change our idea of what love is, our, I would say, dysfunctional idea of what love is and what it should be like. We need to live the true agape love. And that's what God is challenging all of us in today. Well, let's continue on here now in verse 5 of what love does not. We're continuing on in our last heading last week, which is number 2, what love does not. Again, last time we covered what love does not. Number 1, love does not envy. Number 2, love does not boast. Number 3, love does not puff itself up. And now we come to number 4 in verse 5. Love does not behave rudely. Number four years, love does not behave rudely in what love does not. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 now, verse 5. Take a look. It says, does not behave rudely. We'll stop right there and we'll just take this part. So the next thing that Paul lists is that what love does not, love does not behave rudely. And we begin with this today. Rudely, behaving rudely, rudely here means to be improper or crude. In other words, love is not insensitive or insulting or blunt or brutal and never seeks to humiliate the other person. That, that's the idea here. Bar William Barclay wrote, love does not behave uh, or love does not uh, behave ungraciously. Yeah? Uh, love behaves graciously. You know, if you think about it, Paul in addressing the Corinthian believers here, remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul confronted, yeah, the Corinthians and how they worshiped in communion. Matter of fact, this whole section that we're in is because the way they worship was wrong. They were all getting all crazy. And then Paul, first he addressed the issue of communion, how this, they turned communion into this big potluck for them to just gorge themselves. Remember the rich guys would come in and they they would usually bring all the food and the poor guys come in with their little bit. But before even everyone came and the poor guys came, the rich guys would just eat all the food. Yeah? And they just gorge themselves and like, well, sorry, snooze you lose, you know, if you're coming late. They were uncaring, insensitive, and rude. So Paul is like saying even here, addressing that, hey, you know what? Love does not behave rudely. So when we see this love does not behave rudely, it's saying agape is never impolite or insensitive, but seeks to treat the other with respect. I'll say that again. Love does not behave rudely. You know what that means? Agape, which is the love we're supposed to love with, agape is never impolite or insensitive, but seeks to treat the other with respect. You know, the other day I... Brace myself to go into this store, one of the hardware stores on the island, and kind of brace myself. I had to go return this item uh, before I went in there because it, every time I go into a certain store, it seems like, I don't know, this, maybe it's just me, but when I go into the store, uh, it seems like, you know, my experience was every worker or something I, I try and talk to or ask a question, they seem like annoyed at me. Then I'm asking them, well, where is something? Or I feel like I'm bothering them if I'm asking a question about a product or something there like that. And so I thought, oh, I got to return this item. And, and, and so I, I braced myself like, okay. I even told Kristen, well, you know, these guys aren't nice. So we're, we're going to go in there. Kind of expect that, right? And kind of get ready for that. Well, you know what? To my surprise, the guy at customer service was super 
polite. They, they like, he like treated me with respect and, and, and made me, f- you know, feel like that he wanted to be of help. He wasn't like the, the normal, like, rude kind of thing that I had experienced, you know. No smile on their face, you know. E- even the other day, I, uh, just, just the other day when I walked into this other store, there was this older guy just sitting here like this. <laughs> Serious, just, just sitting here like this. And, and I'm like, oh, well, there's, there's someone I can ask a question. I was walking up to him. And, you know, expect, you expect as you walk up to them, they'll go, oh, oh can, can I help you? You know, can, he just was like this. All the way up, you know, 10 feet, 7 feet. Getting, I'm getting closer. Now he's going to respond to me, 6 feet, 5 feet, you know. And I'm like right here, 4 feet, and he's still. Then I asked him, I, th- I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not going to turn around and be really stupid, you know. So I was like, okay, I got to ask him. So I asked him the question. All of a sudden he goes, oh, yeah, it's over here, da, 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 you know, kind of thing. But the whole time it was like this you know, kind of face. It was crazy. But, you, you know, when you see that, it, it feels like, oh, I don't know about that, you know. Paul's like, hey, you know, you Corinthian believers, in your relationships, you got to work on your customer service skills here. <laughs> yeah? Stop being so rude. Yeah? Stop being like that. That's not love, you guys. You may think, oh, yeah, I'm being loving, you know, but that's not Love, that's not how other people feel. Love does not behave rudely. Agape is never impolite, insensitive, but seeks to treat the other person with respect. You know, when that guy was respectful and was helpful, oh, I felt like, oh, he really cares about me. Yeah, right? Don't you feel that? When someone approaches you or talks to you in that way. Let me ask you today, are you that way with others? Impolite, insensitive, no tact. Yeah, always talking down to them. Yeah, not really showing that you care. Think about how you make that other person feel, especially when you've experienced things when people have been rude to you. God is calling us to love all of us without behaving rudely. And you know what? I tell you, the hardest thing is when they treat you that way to to return it with love and not be rude. That's the hardest, I think. You know, some are rude to you. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll be rude to you. You know what? Right? But God is calling us and telling us love, agape, does not behave rudely. It's not impolite. It's not insensitive. It seeks to treat the other with respect. And that's even if they have not treated you that way. A man I read was buying a newspaper at a newsstand in this big city. The newsman was very gruff, discourteous, and he really shoved the paper into this man's face without a smile. The man buying the paper smiled and wished the newsman a nice day. Now a friend watching all of this asked as they walked away, does he always treat you like this? Yes, came the reply. So the friend asked him, why are you so polite to him when he is so rude? And the man said this, because I simply don't want him to decide how I am going to act. I love that, right? I mean, I'm not going to let him dictate how I'm going to be. He's not going to control me. You know what? Love is a decision. It's not only an action, but it's a decision too. It's a choice that we make, that we will love a certain way because God asks us to, and that's who we are in Jesus Christ. Love is a decision. So love does not behave rudely. Well, Paul goes on, look in verse 5. The next thing he puts here is does not seek its own. Does not seek its own. Now, we come to number 5 of what love does not. And what Paul is saying is love does not seek its own way. Love does not seek its own way way seek your own here it means always wanting your own way always insisting on your own way the new living translation renders it it does not demand its own way it even puts it out stronger so love is not about self about what you want what you're seeking but it's just the opposite of that agape is just the opposite of that it does not seek its own way listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 verse 10. He said be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. That word love is agape. In honor giving preference to one another. 
I like that. That's the idea. Love does not seek its own way. It's not about yourself seeking what you want. It's just the opposite. It's giving preference to the other person. That's what agape is about. So love does not seek its own way means agape is not about seeking self first, but seeks to have others be first. That's, that's what Paul's saying here. Love does not seek its own way. Agape is not about seeking self first, but seeks to have others be first. Lenski in his commentary, uh, commentary wrote, Cure selfishness and you have just replanted the Garden of Eden. I was like, whoa, that, that's it. That's the problem. Isn't that the problem of this world? Selfishness. Everyone's out for themselves. Everyone only thinks about themselves. It's all dog-eat-dog kind of thing because everyone wants what they want and we fight for that. But you know what? That's the problem for many of us uh, with our love. It's selfishness. Yeah, we're out for our own self. Paul saying, "Hey, love, Paul saying love does not seek its own way. Agape love, you really want to understand, is not about seeking self first, but seeks to have others be first. Is that how your love is? Is is your love based on how it benefits you? Yeah, is your is your love is your love um, about well, if it if it works for me, then I will do it for you." Is that how your love is? It's self-seeking, seeking its own way? That's not agape. How about in your marriage? Are you always pushing your way? Are you always like, well, it's me, it's me. Well, that's all I want. Oh, wife, get behind me, you know? And is it, what is it about? Or is it about being open? Well, what, what, do you, what would you like? Well, what would you like to do here? Well, what would we, should we do here? You know, what kind of love are you giving? Think about the church. Churches divide when it stops its focus on Jesus and what he wants and it gets to what I want, what I think, my opinion, what, 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 my way. Is that your life like that? I've seen churches divide in that way because of that. It's not so much about what Jesus wants in his church. It's what I think should happen here. A church had a sign out in front that read, Jesus only. Then this storm came, and the wind blew off the first two letters. Now it read, us only. <laughs> that, that's what happens, right? That's what happens. In, I think, I confess for, for, for myself, a lot of times it's me only. That's what the sign is hanging around my neck. Paul is saying, hey, love does not seek its own way. And that means that agape, agape is not about seeking self first, but seeks to have others be first. Now he goes on here in verse 5. He comes to the next thing he lists. He says, is not provoked. Well, love does not, love does not, is not provoked. Now, I put here number six in this list of what love does not. I put this, love does not react badly love does not react badly see the word provoked is a greek word uh paro uh paro uh, zuno paro zuno and it means a sudden outburst of emotion or action it, today our terms would be like flying off the handle or being touchy the esv renders this irritable and the nlt now puts easily angered so love does not react badly that, that, that that's that's what i'm thinking about this is really the other side of seek your own way right does not seek your own way i mean what happens when it doesn't go your own way what you fly off the hand you get upset right you're easily angered you lash out paul is saying love is like Love is not like that. It will not let others get under your nerves. It will not let them bug you, annoy you. It will, it will allow for them and what they're thinking and what they want. One time a wife told me in counseling that she is always walking on eggshells around her husband. You've heard that term, right? We've heard that, you know, walking on eggshells. And she said, I never know what will set him off that's this idea that's not love 
Paul's saying love does not react badly. That means agape will never allow others to irritate or know you to the point of your lashing out and you're, you're easily angered in that way. Love does not react badly. It means agape will never allow others to irritate or annoy you to the point of lashing out. It's been said, your temper is a valuable thing. You should never lose it. Yeah, I like that. How are your reactions to things? How, how do you respond? How, what comes out initially? What's the initial thing that pops out, you know, when things don't go your way, when something annoys you, when, when, when something's, you know, bugging you? And, and how is it? How does it come out? Is that, is it, does it react badly? Are, are you this, quote-unquote, live wire? Yeah. Is that your normal operating, you know, way that you do things? You're, you're just this live wire, and so women and children run and say, Gojira, Gojira, away from you whenever you come into the room. Yeah? Is, are you that monster? You know those movies? Don't you like those Japanese movies? Japanese, yeah? Gojira, Gojira, you know, rawr, you know, kind of thing, right? I mean, is that you? Is, is that, well, Understand, that's not love. Understand in your heart, hey, that, that's not the way. Love does not react badly. Agape will never allow others to irritate or annoy you to the point of lashing out like that. You know what I think about is how Jesus never lost his cool, right? Jesus never lost it like this. He was the perfect example of what agape is, and especially here, love does not react badly. When the Jewish religious leaders accused him, yeah, before Pilate, falsely accused him of doing things and saying things that he never did, did he lash out? No. Did he, what, you know? When the Romans soldiers beat him, plucked out his beard, mocked his deity when they put the robe on and the crown of thorns on top of him. Did he lash out? When they nailed him to the cross, yeah, in his hands and feet, did he lash out? Which he could have stopped any time, right? No, but, but Jesus kept his cool. Jesus kept to the plan. Jesus kept to love. Remember, on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He kept his cool there. 1 Peter 2.23 says, who, speaking about Jesus, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus is our example. Jesus showed love. Jesus showed agape, and he did not react badly. Well, let's go on here now. In verse 5, Paul then says, thinks no evil. We saw number 4 in our list of what love does not. Love does not behave rudely. Number 5, love does not seek its own way. Number 6, love does not react badly. And now number 7, love does not keep a record of wrongs. That's what it means, thinks no evil. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. See, the word thinks here is the Greek word logizesthai. Thai. Logizesthai. It means to keep a record. It, it, it's an accounting word. Accounting word. It, it's to store up or to keep a record of wrongs done to you. So love does not think no evil or keep a record of evil that's been done to you the esv puts it resentful love is not resentful that's another way to put it love does not hold any grudges but you know what lets them go a couple of years ago i was talking to someone and and he was sharing with me he was he was at this certain church on Kauai, uh, on Kauai, and and you know what uh, he's not there anymore, but and and I knew of this situation, and and uh, he just started sharing with me, and he he was he was giving me a little more information about how this pastor actually kept files on people who had offended him, and he it was, he said yeah it was like FBI files. He goes I I saw them in his office, and and and, and the ones who have wronged him, he actually kept files. They used to go there, but much of the church is gone. And, and this pastor has pretty much alienated himself from other pastors too. But isn't that crazy that you would actually do that? But that's the idea. 
That's the idea. We would think, well, a pastor? Yeah, that's crazy. But you know what? Paul's saying love does not keep a record of wrongs. Agape love forgives, releases past hurts instead of holding on to it. And that's the point really here. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Agape love forgives and releases past hurts instead of holding to it. Jeremiah 21, 34, the second part of verses, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. And that's the Lord speaking now. And if God says that to Israel, shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't that be for us too? I mean, why do we still hold on to our grudges? Why are we holding on? Jesus has forgiven us, right? And like you said, we should be forgiving others or it will right, hinder our prayers. Or we should go and forgive before we go to the Lord in prayer. Paul wrote in Romans 4 8, Blessed is the man whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That word impute in Romans 4 8 is the same Greek word here, thinks. Logi zestai. So listen to it this way Blessed is the man whom the Lord shall not keep a record of their sin. That's the same idea here that God does to us. Now, we think about that pastor I mentioned. Oh, how could he do that? How could? But you know what? Don't you do that? Are you holding on to that grudge after all this time? Do you keep that mental record yeah, of what this person does? A little tally. Oh, here we go. One, two, three, four. Oh, five now. Oh, six, seven. Yeah, look. A tally of their sin against you. Tally of how they hurt you. Paul's saying that's not love, you guys. Jesus said we got to agape one another, right? we got to love in this way. we got to let it go. If we hold on to it, it's only going to make us bitter. It's not agape love. I like something someone once suggested. Love does not forgive and forget, but rather remembers and still forgives. I like that one. I like that. If God has forgiven you and doesn't remember your sin, why do we quench agape? Why do we, why do we hold on to the hurts and quench the working of the Spirit in our lives? We need to let it go. You know what I read? I, I, I never knew this. There's a certain tribe in Polynesia where it's customary now to hang reminders of your hatred for other people from the, the, the roof of your hut. Can you imagine that? They nurse the grudges. They hold on to that. They, yeah, this guy. Little symbols of the conflicts you have. Little symbols of grievances or injustice done to you. They hang from the, their ceiling in the roof. You know why? To keep alive that hurt and pain they did to you. Why would you want to do that? Well, because of revenge. Because you want to get back at them, right? It seems crazy. But we do that. Right? We do that. Paul's saying, no, you guys, love does not keep a record of wrongs. Agape love forgives, releases past hurts instead of holding on to it. Are you hanging on in your mind, in your heart, something someone did to you? Are you keeping a track of those wrongs? Yeah, see, there they go again. Yeah, there they go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there they go. Is there resentment in your heart for that person? It's not love, guys. It's not love. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. That's what it should be, guys. That's what agape is about. This is what love is about. This is what being spiritual is about. Paul's like, hey, Corinthian believers, yeah, that's great you get these gifts. Yeah, it's great that, that you know, God is using you, you know, gifting you tongues and a word of knowledge here, wisdom here, and, and these, these miracles and things that are happening around here. But you know what? That's nothing compared to love. And if you do all that, you know, it's nothing, nothing without love. Now, I'll tell you, this, this has been hard. This has been hard for me personally, going through this, studying this, you know. This is hard for me to think, I got to teach this? I'm, 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 I'm the first one to say, hey, I've sinned here. I failed here. 
And I got to stand up here and teach this lawyer? Oh, this is hard. And remember I told you last week, you're going to have a tough week. You're going to have a hard week, sorry to say. Sorry, you're going to have a bad week. I don't know, how was your week? Is God testing you on all these things? I surely have been. And I've been studying this for like, you know, a month now. And it continues on. And I know these are difficult things. I mean, especially in this area, we all like keep a record of wrongs. We know it's not right. We know we got to forgive. We know we got to release the past hurts. We know this is not agape, but it's hard. It's hard when you're hurt, yeah? It's hard when someone has inflicted pain on you. It's hard when your expectations have been just shattered and, and, and you've been disappointed. It's hard. It's hard, yeah. It's hard to, to pluck out those arrows and those, those, those little cactus needles, you know, that have been flown into your heart. It's hard. I know these are difficult, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your heart today concerning love. The Holy Spirit wants to heal you and touch you. The Holy Spirit wants to do that miracle in your heart to be able to have this kind of love. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, plus now our obedience to God's word and what we're seeing here today, you can conquer the hurt. You can conquer those the situations. You can conquer the resentment and the grudges and the bitterness that are in there. You just, we all just need to look and what the Word is saying, what God is calling us to, and knowing that, remember, it's not our love. It's God's love that flows through us, right? It's nothing we can drum up in us. Okay, agape. If I say agape a hundred times, agape, 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 I'm going to get it. Yeah. No. It's this connection with God and the Holy Spirit moving within us, and this love can, can come out. Paul's putting it out here in front of our eyes so we would understand what it is. And so we wouldn't be dysfunctional in our definition of what love is and we truly understand agape. So as, I, as we are going through these things and even next week, understand it's not to just beat you down and, and tell you you're a horrible person and look, you're not loving like this. No, it's God trying to lift you up in your thinking and in your heart and what love truly is. It's to help you to grow. It's help you to not follow the flesh no longer. Not follow in your work thinking what love is, but to see what God says what love is and to have that in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And I'll tell you, He can do it. And that's our hope. Well, let's go on to the last thing in verse 6 now that Paul lists. Verse 6, and Paul writes, does not rejoice in iniquity. So the last thing that love does not, it does not rejoice in iniquity. Number eight, I put it this way, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Rejoice like delighting in and glad about. Iniquity here in the Greek, it means wrongdoing, unrighteousness, or like bad things. So, True and holy agape does not take pleasure in any kind of wrongdoing or evil. That's, that's the initial idea here. That, that if you have agape love and you really have agape love and that's God's love, that holy love, right? It do, it's not going to take pleasure in any kind of wrongdoing, any evil, any sin. John MacArthur wrote, To rejoice in unrighteousness is to justify it. It is making wrong appear to be right. That is so clear. Yeah? That's not love, you guys. That's, that's not what love is about. Compromising in, in morals or compromising in principles or compromising in what the Lord has said in His Word. Think about it this way. If your boyfriend comes to you and says, Hey, babe. Hey, babe. Maybe a little lower tone. Yeah. Hey, babe. I really love you, you know. Let's get a hotel. Let's sleep together and let's make some love. Right? You know what? That's not love. Matter of fact, I would say that's lust, right? It's not love, it's lust. Sex before or outside of marriage, 
is a sin. The word says that. So true agape will not go against what the Bible says. It will not go against God's word. That is not love. Agape love doesn't flaunt sin. Agape love is more shameful about it. So understand, truly agape does not take pleasure in any kind of wrongdoing or evil. But there's a second thing that we need to see. There's another way love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. And that is being glad about the bad things that have happened to the person who hurt you. That's what Paul's saying. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. In other words, we're, agape love is not to say like, I knew it. I knew it. They got what they deserve. Serves them right. <laughs> yeah. And all the while you're saying and you have this feeling of satisfaction, right? You have this take, you're taking pleasure that, oh, that bad thing happened to them or, or, hey, they lost this or they were judged and you take pleasure in their downfall, in their wrongdoing. Yeah, see, see, mm-hmm, yeah. John Moffat translates actually this portion. He said, love is not glad when others go wrong. So love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Yeah? Agape is a holy love from God. So it never takes any pleasure in bad or wrong. Yeah? Rather, whatever sin or even something that has happened to another person. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Agape is a holy love from God. So it never takes any pleasure in any kind of bad or wrongdoing. Is your first reaction when you hear of your enemy or someone who hurt you, they're struggling, yeah? Or maybe they fall in sin or unfortunate circumstances come upon them. Is it this, quote-unquote, I, I call it glad satisfaction? We enjoy it sometimes, yeah? Sometimes, you know, you like that feeling, yeah? That guy who hurt you, ah, you didn't do nothing, but something fell upon them, and you're like, <laughs> see, oh, yeah, right? That's wrong. We are to love. We are to care. We are to have compassion. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Agape love is this holy love from God. It never takes pleasure in any bad or wrongdoing. I read about a young man who left his employer that he really didn't like. And he went just down the street to open up a lumber yard business. Same thing that his employer where he had worked for. Just down the street of his old job. For a while, the guy pr prospered and got many of the accounts that his former boss had for many years. But right when it seemed like the business was taking off, right when he had more orders that he, than he could handle, this Fire came through his yard and destroyed all his lumber and he just lost everything in a moment. The day after the fire, he saw his old boss walking down the street, walking over to him. And the guy thought, oh, for sure his old boss is going to gloat over the unfortunate circumstance that came upon him. But when the old boss came up, he spoke like a friend. And he said, I know you're obligated to provide the lumber for your customers. And after the fire, I know it seems impossible. But I want you to know that my lumber yard is for your disposal. Take what you need. Take, take what you need to fulfill the orders. And you, you can pay me whenever you can. And that way, your business can continue as usual. You know what happened? Right then, that hatred this young man had for his ex-boss just disappeared. And it was replaced by love. I, I love that, right? The ex-boss could have said, well, that's what you deserve, you proud man. You, yeah? you deserve to be humbled right now with that. But that's not what love does. It does not rejoice in the misfortunes of even those who have hurt them. God is calling us to a higher level of living, you guys a higher level of loving. This is the excellent way. This is what needs to be in our life. You know, think about this. Many times, isn't this what fuels gossip? Yeah? Isn't this the motivation, right? 
Like, oh, oh I got to tell you what happened to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and as you're telling it, you're getting this glad satisfaction, right? Because you can talk down and dirty about him, this other person because they hurt you and you, don't, you hate them. Is your gossip, is gossip fueled by taking pleasure in the juicy details of the problems of your once companion is having? Don't stain your heart with that. It's evil. It's wicked. Gossip is wrong anyway, and it's not love. Or when something happens to someone or someone who hurt you, are you sad for them? Are you sorrowful because of their trial, what they're going through? Are you compassionate and caring even if they were the ones who directly caused you pain and suffering? That's the way we should be. So we come to a close here. We come to the end of number two in our outline, what love does not. Next week, we're going to go on to the rest of verse 6 and 7, go on to what love is devoted to. But for now, understand that through these negative characteristics of what love is not, understand what God is calling us to be. Understand that, you know what, if God gave us these things in 1 Corinthians 13, that it's not impossible to love in this manner. You see, the Lord wants to do something in our lives. Let me ask you, is God a miracle-working God? Amen, right? Has God answered your prayers? Yes, right? Has God worked powerfully in your lives, rescuing you from sin, freeing you from the bondage of sin? I mean, think about when you first got saved, right? When you first came to Jesus Christ. Think about the miracles we read about in the Bible. Does God work miracles? Yes, he does. Well, God wants to work a miracle in your life concerning love. God wants to do an incredible, amazing, never before seen in your life, ever before. And he wants to do it today. He wants to do it right now. He wants to do it in the next coming weeks. He's been doing it already. And it's all concerning agape. That's the miracle God wants to do in us right now. Open your heart up to him. It seems impossible, but God can do it. It seems like, well, I could never be that way. Let God work. I don't know if I could forgive the person. Well, you go and be with the Lord and let him do that work in you. God wants to do this. He is our hope. Don't let this be just words going from one year to the other like, yeah, I don't know, this is too hard. I'll work on some easier things. No, God is saying right now, today, the things we talked about and been talking about, he wants to do in your life, in your heart. And that's the Lord. That's not me. That's God loving on you. Say, hey, I love you so much. I want to give you this love so you can give it out. I want to free you from your pain, your resentment, the bitterness. I want to give freedom to you. And having this love is freedom. It's freedom. It's power in your life. It's, it's the Holy Spirit and connecting and experiencing God like never before. It's seeing come out of you things like, whoa, where did that come from? It's like seeing things in your life like going, whoa, Lord, that's not me. That's you. Glory be to God. That's what it's about. I'll close with what someone wrote. It was a poem, He's, and it, it, it was titled, it is titled, What is Love? It's silence when your words would hurt. It's patience when your neighbor's curt. It's deafness when the scandal flows. It's thoughtfulness for another's woes. It's promptness when stern duty calls. It's courage when misfortune falls. Will you have the courage today to step out, to step up, and do what God wants you to do? Agape is action. Will you have the courage to make that choice and that decision to have that kind of love that Paul's describing here, that God is giving us here, the agape love. 
Will you today have the love that touches others? Let's pray. Lord, let's all stand together. Lord God, as we stand before you, God, we are just humbled by these words before us in your word. We're humbled because we know we have failed so much. We are not perfect in these things, Lord. We struggle, Lord. We, we fall, Lord. We end up hurting others, Lord. We end up, Lord, getting into our flesh and, and not walking in the Spirit. We end up becoming monsters, Lord, in our own homes and families and friends. God, we are humbled and, and just falling before you, but as we stand before you, Lord, we know that it's nothing we can do. Lord, you brought all of us to a place where we are undone, broken, God, besides ourselves, because we cannot love like this within our own means or power. It can only be you. It can only come from you. And as we stand before you, Lord, we ask, God, that you would do that work within us now. That you would help us love in the way you want us to love. To have true agape in our hearts flowing from you out to others around us. Lord, to have this kind of love, Lord, present in circumstances, in situations, in trials, in confrontations, Lord. In times where people are hurting us. In times when we feel the pain. In times of disappointment, in times of, of, of dashed expectations, in times of, of bad things happening to us. Lord, in of ourselves, we don't have this, Lord. But in you, it comes. And in your Holy Spirit, the fruit comes. So, Lord, we stand before you. I stand before you, Lord, with my hands raised up, surrendered, asking for you to come and do that work in me now. I pray for all of us here in this room, Lord, that you would right now fill us, Lord, with this love, that it would fall upon us and come upon us like never before, Lord. And as We've been studying this, Lord, in the past weeks and, and today and as we go forward next week and learn more, God, may it become part of our being and who we are in Jesus Christ. May it become part of our new character and our new creation and may we become the people of God you want us to be. Lord, you are hope. You are our strength. Lord, it's in you we find forgiveness and forgive us now. You are our future, Lord. So come, Jesus, today. Come and fill us, Lord. You are, God, our foundation and build this foundation of love and truth, Lord, in our lives through your word. So here we are, God, surrendered and open to you. And I pray for your spirit right now. On e to come upon each one of us, Lord, to be able to live in this manner, to be able to love, to be able to agape. Thank you, God. Your presence is here. Your Holy Spirit is moving. Help us now, in Jesus' name, amen.